Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sorry Grateful. Quick announcement before we get started. Uh, We just got listed on Spotify and Google Podcasts or Play Music or Play Play Podcasts, whatever it's called. What about the Googlies? The Googlies. (laughs) The Googlies. Yes, of course, the Googlies. Yeah, so then um, we're hoping to get listed on Apple's podcast service uh, in the next couple weeks. So you can keep an eye out there. Just keep an eye on the Twitter, which is uh, sorry underscore grateful. And you can also listen to us um, at sorrygrateful.com. The website will, that URL will no longer point to the Twitter. It'll point to a page where you can uh, listen to the newest eps. Dog. Sweet. Well, All with right. that said, I'm Miranda. And I'm Chris. And uh, we're Let's about to started. introduce ourselves again. I don't think we say our name. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Welcome. I'm I'm yeah today. I'll be your yeah. host. Um I I am usually I'm like, oh and today I'm just mm. It happens, it you know. It does happen. It does happen. It's gray out. When you produce as much content as we do. <sighs> yeah, the sad days have a way of creeping in. Yeah. It's really it's true. I mean, there's lots to be excited about. You know, the world isn't on fire yet. Yet. Consumerism had a great week. Oh, yeah. What happened there? Cyber Monday. Oh, that was great. Yeah. We bought Autotune. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I bought a hydro flask. <laughs> What's that? It's a really nice water bottle. <laughs> oh, that sounds kind of ridiculous. It's a, I know. as ridiculous as Autotune. I don't have Autotune rigged up. I can put Autotune on our voices for this section. That's what we should do. Auto tune on our voices. Oh yeah! All right, enough of that. Yeah. So I I bought a hydro flask. I put a sticker on it already. It says objection. Nice. Nice. (laughs) It's good to get the uh, the drop on the objection. It's like you want to get you want to get your first objection in before they speak. Right. Yeah. Just slam your water bottle yeah. on the table. <laughs> yeah. And the well, judge is like, sustained. Not if it's made of glass. Is it a... No, it's hydro- made of metal. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Oh, yeah. It's supposed to keep cold things cold for like ever. For like years. Years. Yes. Wow. Dad had this incredible thermos. I don't know what brand it was. I'm sure it was much older than I am. Mm. And it kept tea hot. Steaming from the day of your birth. (laughs) It's tea that's as old as you are, and it is hella oversteeped. (laughs) It's probably very bitter, but still hot. Anyway, well, maybe I should have made tea before we started today. I love tea. Have some news to report. News? Yeah, news. Breaking news. Breaking news. I read the introduction to a book and I'm now an expert. <gasps> wow. I know. I know it happened so fast. It was like, oh, whoa, I'm like expert level now. The introduction was to a book called Finishing the Hat, which is part of a two book series, Finishing the Hat and Look, I Made a Hat, which are both Sondheim lyrics. Um, and both books are written by Stephen Sondheim about lyric writing. I know, I know, I can't believe I haven't used them as a resource. I had started reading them many, many years ago, and then similarly got through, I think they're in chronological order, and his first 
musical was Saturday night and, uh, that one's pretty boring and I don't really know it. So I didn't really make it much further, but Mm. this time I'm going to skip Saturday night and go straight to West Side Story. Whoa. Um, but the introduction was interesting. He said a few things that I, I liked. Um, he went through a taxonomy of rhyming that was kind of cool. Wait, I'm going to go get the book. I'm going to go. Get okay. I'm going to let the cat out of the room. I don't know about those noises. <laughs> those are my sitting back down noises. Oh, nice. They're very strong, bad. Oh. Burning 18. The countryside. In an introductory chapter called Rhyme and Its Reasons, (laughs) he sets out his ground rules for like rhyming definitions, which I'm sure you all learned because you all went to school. Everybody except for me. Did I? Yeah, I know, right? But so here we go. A true or perfect rhyme consists of two words or phrases whose final accented syllable sounds alike, except for the consonant sound which precede them. The accent can be on the last syllable, home, roam, convey, dismay, which is called a masculine rhyme, or the penultimate syllable, never, forever, which is called a feminine rhyme, perhaps because the fall off after the accent gives it a bit of added grace, he says. Aw, that's cute. Yeah, it is cute. The accent can even be on an earlier syllable, uh, rational, national, simulator, stimulator, but the sounds which follow must be the same while the accent and consonants must be different. And then um, he, he gives a little anecdote here. This is, this is choice. Regional accents can confuse the issue. To me, a native New Yorker, dawn rhymes with lawn and gone with on. While I worked with Leonard Bernstein, who was born near Boston, he insisted to my heart that all four words rhymed with each other. For a musical version of the Boston Strangler, that might have been acceptable. For a show about <laughs> New York street gangs, it was not. <laughs> anyway, so then he goes on to talk about identities. An, an identity matches not only the final syllables, but also the consonants that introduce them. Motion, promotion. So it's, oh, so an identity isn't, it's like a non-rhyme rhyme. It's like. It's those cheater rhymes. It's those, those cheater it's like, rhymes. Yeah, yeah. Um, what distinguishes a rhyme from an identity is that the accent and syllable mustache rhymes with just ash if the accents are a must and just if the accents are an ash and ash, their identities. That's confusing. Did you get that? Let me take another swing at that. So if it's mustache and just ash, it's an identity. But if it's mustache and just ash... A near rhyme consists of two flavors, assonance and consonants. In assonance, the vowel sounds are like the subsequent consonants different, home, alone, together, forever. Consonants is the reverse. The consonant sounds are alike, but the accented vowels are different, buddy and body. So that's like his little, that's like his little useful, uh, useful thing. And then it goes on to like rail against how pop music doesn't really like rhymes and how nobody really pop and rock have like been undoing them forever. And he goes into rip on like at the time in his like mid career, I guess a rock star was writing a musical and I'm pretty sure it's a very like barely veiled stab at, um, uh, the who, what is his oh, name? Tommy. Yeah. What's the um, guitar player's name? Can you look it up? Shit. 
I am. Pete Townsend, Roger Daltrey, Casey Moan, John Entwistle. So I think it was like a very like lightly veiled stab at uh, Pete Townsend. Yeah. So the person he refers to as X in an interview says rhyming really isn't even that important. And if a rhyme's going to get in the way of like the emotion, he's not interested. And Sondheim like goes off on that for a couple pages. Um, So I can spare you that. (laughs) But um. Yeah, like, and he spends a lot of interesting time talking about what lyrics, what role they fill in music, which is really interesting, or at least it was to me. It's like, he talked about how, like, poets rarely make good lyricists, which, like, seems Hmm. like it wouldn't be true. Like, it seems like a poet who's good with words would, like, be, you know, able to set words more thoughtfully than, like, a musician or a songwriter or something like that. Um, But his opinion is that, like, a poet's music is like in the poem and it's in the poem as you would read it to yourself or read it aloud or whatever. And even Mm. in light verse, even in light verse, which could be like very uh, musical, you might have a poem that really has like a rhythmic drive to it. It makes it so overbearingly obvious and uh, pathetic to score it to music. Like, it takes the words insistence upon the rhythm away from the words and suddenly the music is insisting upon it. And so even, yeah, even rhythmic poems become less than what they should be with music underneath them. But then he talks about a, he talks about like with more serious poetry, like, you know, you might stop and reread a line or you might just stop at the end of a line and pause. You might, you know, you it's, it's less of a temporally enforced thing and when words draw attention to themselves, music really just serves as a distraction or like the words that can get in the way of the music or something like that. And so he like puts forward this concept of like, he does give an example of someone who was a poet first who succeeded at overcoming it. And it was one of the writers on Porgy and Bess. Let me get the name. Du Bois Hayward. Ah, uh, I yeah. would think... When it comes to the musical, like poetry and lyricism, I mean, he wrote this, if if he's writing this around the time that uh, Tommy was coming out, obviously the real uh, main body of rap has not begun yet. And someone like Tupac, who was a poet and a lyricist in and was incredible at both of them. Right. And yet profoundly different in his, like earlier poetry works than his lyrics i think rap bridged yeah bridged yeah. the spoken word to music yeah yeah i think in rap a way is that like, had not happened yet and it becomes pretty apparent when sondheim is like talking about this stuff that he avoids rap pretty intentionally like i think this book was written in like 2010 2011 or something oh wow that recent yeah because yeah, like the second book goes lyrics all the way up through 2011. Oh, yes, yes. So he's like got to be aware of rap. I think he like he mostly shits on pop and rock specifically. Um, He doesn't really spend any time really addressing rap. And maybe that's like due to his assumption of his own ignorance with regard to it, which is not ill-advised um, <laughs> necessarily. No, if you're not familiar like, with it, don't talk about yeah, it. Like I'm not super yeah, familiar, so yeah, I'm not going to go on much more. But he also, I think, acknowledges that they feel different. Like, the only reason he was ripping on Pete Townsend is because because it was a rock musical. Like, because he came into his domain. Right. And, and there like, haven't yeah. 
as of the time he wrote that, there hadn't really been any rap musicals. So I wonder how he feels about Hamilton. Right. Yeah. I have no idea how he would feel about Hamilton. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I found that actual quote of last. I think we talked about it last time about like, I think I slipped in some nonsensical phrase like the information theory of lyric writing or something like that. And you were mm. and then you, brought you did up mention the, something about that. Well, and I think it's because you brought up this quote that I didn't know who said it, but apparently the the quote is Craig Carnelia. True rhyming is a necessity in the theater as a guide for the ear to know what it has just heard. Our language is so complex and difficult, and there are so many similar words and sounds that mean different things, that it's confusing enough without using near rhymes that only acquaint the ear with a vowel. A near rhyme is not useful to the primary purpose of a lyric, which is to be heard, and it teaches the ear to not trust to disregard a lyric, to not listen, to simply let music wash over you. You know, we had we had Thanksgiving recently, and it was brought up among uh, me and uh, a few of my cousins who uh, live in the same area. There's a local radio host we just can't stand. Can't can't stand the guy, and just he uh, and he hosts an hour long show that ostensibly is supposed to be about like highlighting local programs who are doing good things or talking about local issues with with organizations who are combating them. They'll do things on drug addiction and things like that. But the core of the show is supposed to be a positive message on what local programs are doing. And this guy... Well, and also just a platform for them to espouse. Yeah, like it's just, it's positive or not. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, yeah a, a platform. Yeah. And this guy just thinks he is a hardball journalist <laughs> who is here to ask the tough questions of your local, like, seeing eye dog raising society. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, like, maybe we can, like, come up with um a scene. Oh, like a fake one. Yeah, like to best illustrate this. Like, you be that guy and I'll be the, like, nonprofit I mean, we um, could do why are birds important? <laughs> okay, what was what was my character with? It with was that? just like a a local like bird conservation group. All right, so so bring us in, bring us into the show. Uh, make up a fake, make oh, a fake name, make a fake name. Uh, welcome to shit. Clever chat or uh, clever chat. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome to clever chat, everybody. Uh, it's me, your host. Uh, today we've got on the program uh, an organization dedicated to preserving the local bird species in the area. Uh, yes, thank you for having show. us. Uh, thank you for having us on. Yeah, we're we're super happy to be here. And you know, uh, a lot of people don't know this about it, but uh, uh, why are birds important? Um, I'm going to ignore your question and talk a little bit about what we do. Um, we are a bird organization. Yeah. No, but, that's but why should, why should people care? Um, well, w birds are a critical part of the, w what do you mean? What? Yeah. <laughs> isn't it, isn't it true that, uh, you know, species go extinct all the time? 
Why should, uh, why should we care about these species? Well, I mean, they do go extinct, but that's... I got a caller on the line uh, okay. who uh, has some questions about uh, whether or not these extinction uh, conditions are man-made. Caller, come, come on up. <laughs> um, well, they most certainly are man-made. I, the science is irrefutable. Hi, I have heard that, uh, you know, the climate goes through normal heating and cooling cycles and that, you know, if these birds can't keep up, maybe they deserve to die. Okay. Um, you know, she makes a couple of good points, and I, I'd like to talk about some of them. Uh, well, I would also like to say that we're um, having a fundraiser, um, and if you care about finches, uh, please come on, come on out. Um, Why should people be giving you money? Oh, because we uh, birds are important to the Why eco- are birds important? I, <laughs> okay, I think I we're done. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I do what I do. I'm sorry. <laughs> so as you can see, our local radio host <laughs> is just way too aggressive for the situations he finds himself That's in. so aggressive. <laughs> I mean, finishing a hat, starting on a hat, finishing, finishing a, hat. a hat. Look, Look I, made I made a hat, a hat where, there where there never was, was a hat. hat. Well, what does it mean to you, Miranda? Eliza wants to know. Eliza wants to know. Yeah. How does that lyric make me feel? Yeah. Okay, so we should probably intro the lyrics. So I think in honor of uh, the book you're reading, okay, we should talk about, as our Sondheim lyric of the week, finishing the hat. The song, Finishing the Hat. Yeah. And in particular, uh, the ending of that song. It's <laughs> it's definitely my favorite part of the song. The song goes on for a long time, and there are is nice parts to it. Is that a good thing when you say that the best part of a song is when it's ending? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, that's not what I mean at <laughs> okay, all. Okay, cool. Just checking, just checking. But so he sings a whole song about how, you know, he's always sort of detaching himself from the world so that he can make Mm. these things and he wants to make these things and it's causing him difficulties in life uh but it's such an amazing feeling to make these things and he ends the song by saying finishing a hat well let's start earlier okay so he ends the song saying there's a part of you always standing by mapping out the sky finishing a hat starting on a hat Finishing a hat. Look, I made a hat. Where there never was a hat. And I don't know, I just really love that. That that sentiment of, A, the second you finish something, you're starting on the next thing. But B, that, that feeling that you brought something into the world. That you made something that wasn't there before. Hmm. And you took things... So in his case, painting, he took paint and he used paint to make something that didn't exist in the world before the exact moment he Mm -hmm. finished making it. Mm -hmm. And And that's like a really powerful. Yeah. It's also interesting. Like I find another interesting dimension of it. And maybe we didn't talk about this very fully. You know, when I was doing the lyric of the week, I kind of like I hedged a lot. I don't like having strong opinions for some reason. But now that I'm in a bad mood. I'm all about it. Um, but yeah, like uh, another thing is like the specific type of painting they did was pointillism, which is like not just tiny dots, but it's more about like how 
your eye will create the image from the dots. It's less of, it like puts more abstraction between the representation and your conception of that representation. He talks about it, how, how the purple you make mixing red and blue in your eye is more vivid than any purple pigment he could put on the canvas. Yeah, which feels, I, I don't know why I want to challenge him on that, because it's like, well, if you're mixing two pigments, then isn't that the same as just like a finer grade of pointillism? Who the fuck knows? I don't really know how it works. I'm not a doctor. But it is like interesting that there's that conceptual abstraction and then like... Is he even making a hat or is he making dots that make a hat? You know, just to be oh, frustrating. Oh, it's very postmodern. There's Exa- dots that exactly. point to a hat as opposed to a hat itself. Right. That's what I was thinking from you talking in the car on the way back from Thanksgiving. It's like, it's like, did you make a hat? You didn't make a hat. You made a representation of a hat. Like it's, it's. Language it's, that points to other language. It's very cool. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, just, it seems it's like there's a question as to whether or not he made a hat. I think that's a valid I think like I think that that question is up in the air for him. And I think the answer might have some very sad and lonely implications for him. Mm. Yeah. Each of those dots is alone on that canvas mm-hmm. among mm-hmm. a sea of other dots. Mm-hmm. And not a one just to drink. Just like George. Yeah, just like George floating. But yeah, oh. no, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I definitely agree. The lyric is like something about it. It just stands out as a really bold progression of lyrics. It's like not a set of lyric that you would hear ever. Like, like he's hammering home a hat, like a hat, a hat, a hat, a hat. Like, Oh, and that's a, we learned that's an identity, not a Yeah, rhyme. We learned that's an identity. Yeah. And also it's interesting how much it resembles the, the dots, like the blue, 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 like the repetition. Mm. And sort of like the repetitive nature of his uh, obsession, like, and how well that's carried in the music earlier. Because there's a scene earlier in the show where he's painting, and because they're dots, he has to sing the color of each individual dot while you wait for the painting to be completed. And then (laughs) after a couple months of going to the theater to see his progress, um, you get one of the most badass songs where Dot wants uh, to go to the theater, his partner Dot played by Bernadette Peters wants to go to the theater. It's so good. Oh, look at uh, her looking. I think about I'd yeah. be in the Follies. I think about that all the I'd time. I'd be in the Follies. I'd, I'd be, be in, in the, the cabaret. cabaret. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's an amazing lyric. It really is. Uh, yeah. And I think it was a an apt choice for the name of his lyric book in particular. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, this was his show about making art for sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why it resonates in such sort of a niche community. I agree. Like, it's not the most popular show, but among people who do theater and among people who make art, the sentiments are very profound. Yeah. Yeah. It's a showmaker show. Yeah. (laughs) It also (laughs) has like a lot of like. At the time, its set design was pretty cool, too, because, like, so he's sketching the entire time in Act 1 on a Sunday in the park. And so he'll, like, draw a tree and he'll be like, ah, that's not quite right. And he'll erase it and they'll lift the tree up into the rafters and bring down a different tree. Um, And, like, just that sort of, like, flexible look at reality is very surreal, Um, And you watch all these vignettes of the people in the park, like doing their thing. And then once they've been painted at the end of act one, you see them all locked in a painting. And the beginning of act two starts with them locked in that same painting. 
Um, which is like just this like total mindfuck of like how real was any of the things that I was seeing? Like, was there right. any truth to what I just saw? Or is it like the only thing from the quote unquote real world loud enough to get through to George is dot leaving him. And so her stuff carried through, but then like, you know, everything else was just this like over the top sort of folly esque or like uh, vin- I don't know what the follies are, but some sort of vignette based humor sketch thing. His, his imagining of what these people are doing, not so much what they actually are doing. Yeah, yeah. It seems less journalistic at some point, especially because this song comes out of nowhere. In the, like At the beginning of the song is him going through his sketches and repeating the things that the people said in each of the sketches. And like, artists are bizarre, fixed, <laughs> cold. cold. Yes, you, Jar Jar, bizarre, fixed, fixed cold. cold. I like, I like that, that in, in a, a man. man. Fixed. Cold. Well, there are worse things than standing in the water on the Sunday. There are worse things than staring at the water as you're posing in a picture of being painted by your lover in the middle of the summer in the island in the river on a Sunday. (laughs) Anyway, wild. Oh, I love that song. Oh, yeah. It's a crazy, crazy good show. Crazy good show. It's just not very good. No, it's a great show. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think we probably never really explained that we just really love Sondheim and we don't (laughs) actually have like a great explanation for it. He's just like, he is a masterclass in lyric writing and music and like, ugh, ugh, you know, and so as musical theater (laughs) nerds, this is just what we love to talk about. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Sorry Grateful. Glad you Super made it fun. through. Yeah. You know, um, it's the sun just came out and I'm starting to feel a little better. And uh, I, I just appreciated spending the day with uh, with my sibling. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. I hope all the janitors who listen to this show, moving on. <laughs> Um, yeah so you can uh, follow us at sorry underscore grateful on twitter and then sorrygrateful.com is our website which will point to our newest episodes on a on a web player you can find us on spotify and music and wherever you pretty much wherever you get your podcast not stitcher yet but then um yeah and we won't be posting to the soundcloud anymore so uh yeah soundcloud Bye, SoundCloud. We, we loved you. you. You were so great to us. Thank you. Goodbye. We're so grateful. So very grateful. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, yeah. Thanks, everyone. See you next Bye. week. Bye. So what? What? Um. What should we call the episode? I don't know. Finishing a hat. Doesn't it quite finishing a podcast? No, that's too self-aware. It's too self-aware. No, No, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about finishing two hats? (laughs) Finishing two hats. Yeah, I like it. It's like finishing the hat, but the sequel. It's like there's two of us. Yeah, and there's two. We need each need two hats. Also, iterating the amount of a metaphor in a song so perfectly ruins that metaphor. Finishing several hats. For example. I came in like two wrecking balls. Like, what does that even mean? You know, it's like. <laughs> Love it. Came in. Finishing two, two hats. Came into town on a horse with two names. Wait, shit. That doesn't work. Well, anyway, One my name. point stands.
With two horses with one name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Two horses, half a name between them. <laughs> <laughs> All right.